0: And it's not, there's another Newton, isn't it? Isaac Newton. It's not Isaac Newton, it's John Newton. While living a sailor, he was, he's a slave trader. Had all sorts of colorful languages that he uh, would bring forth in his words, but uh, he's quite a sinner. He became saved, quite the godly pastor he was, and he was an author of many hymns. One of which is probably the number one hymn of all time uh, in the world. And it is called Amazing Grace. He wrote that. Well, he said late in his life, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. And if you get these two things right here, you will have the whole message today. I am a great sinner. But Christ is a great Savior. I'm a great sinner, but He's a great Savior. That pretty well sums up His theology as He near the end of His life. Even if your past is maybe not as wicked and evil as uh, John Newton was, you should be growing in awareness of your sin. Those two great facts. That I'm a great sinner, He's a great Savior. More and more as you become a Christian, you should be realizing that the longer I'm a Christian, the more I am acutely aware of my sin in my heart and the capacity that it has to do things that I would never even want to do. But in my heart, there it is. There's another hymn writer that I can identify with. Now, I might say Robert Robinson and probably most of you are not going to know. Robert Robbins. Any takers out there? What is it?
1: <laughs>
0: well, uh, he has a song that's actually a, quite a dynasty. See if you can get this. And that song was prone to wander, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We've had discussions about that before, just personally, you know, with us and what it means. Thank God the more I see my own sinfulness, is what Robinson said, the more brightly God's grace shines. The more I see of my sin or the capacity to sin, God's grace is there. Robinson also wrote in that song, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I am constrained to be. Sound familiar? (coughs) He was a wild young man himself. He hated God. And he lived a life of debauchery as a teenager. At the age of 17, there was a man by the name of George... Whitfield anybody heard of George Whitfield one of the greatest evangelists that's ever lived in the history of mankind. he had a voice that boomed and it, it he was heard in Philadelphia by Benjamin Franklin. Franklin kept backing up blocks and blocks and blocks away half a mile away and he could still hear George Whitfield preaching. What a voice he had. He didn't need a microphone. (laughs) Powerful man, powerful preacher. Well, this Robinson goes to this place where Whitfield's preaching. He's there to really heckle him. He scoffs at this Whitfield. But he and a bunch of others go. You know what happened by the end of the message, don't you? He became saved. Became a godly man. At the age of 23, he wrote the hymn called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. We know that, right? Heard that many, many times we've sang it. He became a Baptist pastor. And then as years went by, he lost his love for the Lord. He got involved with the doctrines of Unitarianism strayed away from the Lord totally. And there was one day he was riding on a stagecoach and there was a lady sitting in there so he struck up a conversation with her and what it was is she realized that this man there was something special about him. He, He knew far too many spiritual things to not be informed at least of who Christ was so, uh, she had got to thinking, you know, There she'd been reading uh, a hymn. And she says, you know, I've been reading this hymn, and I just wondered what you thought of this hymn. She doesn't know who he is. She says, what do you think of this hymn? And it came out to be, to his astonishment, Come Thou Found. She mentions that. He had written that whenever he was 23 years old. He burst into tears and he told her, I'm the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. He's poor in the sense he's unhappy. He says, I would give anything to get back to the joy that I once had at that time. He didn't think he could. The woman assured him that the streams of mercy... that's in that song, Sound familiar? Streams of mercy... referred to... was still still flowing along... still flowing... the mercy... the streams of mercy... Robinson was deeply touched... when he heard that... and it was like... grace and forgiveness... All at one time was there, and his wandering heart had now been touched. We see, anybody that sins have wandered away from the Lord. You've heard backsliding. Any time you sin, you backslidden, haven't you? Well, anybody that has failed the Lord, If you've turned your back on Him, He abundantly pardons those who desire to have their fellowship restored to Him, to service. You may be a great sinner, but He's a great Savior. We could have given a title to that, to our message, couldn't we? the story of Peter's denials. Everybody's familiar with those three denials. They underscore two great facts. The sinfulness of man and the loving forgiveness of God. So, there we go again. The weakness and sinfulness of the saints and the greatness and the abundance of God's love and His grace and His mercy. The abundance that's there. So those who are walking with the Lord, right now, you're doing good with the Lord. Take heed, lest you too fall. Watch out for pride, is what the idea is. That's what we'll see in uh, Peter. That was one of his big problems so if you are not walking with the Lord, then it's time to realize the hope that you have a pardon through God's abundant grace. Turn to Him, right? Last week we were looking at the betrayal of the Lord. This week we look at the denial by Peter. He denies Jesus. Jesus really just a few hours before, had told Peter that he was going to deny Him. Peter protested. Peter said, No way, Lord. I would never do that. I would never desert You. I would never run and turn my back on You. Yet, Jesus explained to him, before the sun would rise, He was not only going to deny Him once, twice, but three times this is the passage where we're at today that recounts this story it's a solemn message for each of us because we all can do what Peter does we've all done it and so in this sense it's easy to blame Peter but we really need to look at ourselves it's a message about sin it's a message about grace. Abundant grace. It's a message about repentance. Did you hear those three things? Sin, grace, or mercy. Repentance. That's what's involved in the Christian life. Peter was a believer. So let's uh, take joy in turning to our scripture here in Luke 22. Let's stand. Having arrested him, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. After they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. And a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, This man is was with him too. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, another saw him and said, You are the one of those two. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after about an hour passed, another man began to insist, saying, Certainly, this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you are talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Father, as we go through this text, help us to realize that we always need your mercy and your grace. We always need your strength and not ours. As we look at you, teach us. Give us the things that we don't know so that we can know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. So, first part. Sin. You see, I don't make these up. That's <laughs> like, that's exactly what we're seeing right off the bat. As Peter denies. You already know that, right? I know it's not a topic that everybody likes to talk about. The fact of the matter is, it's real. It's true. We need to see it as it is. Jesus was arrested in the garden, we lived at last week, and they... Bind him up. He's bound up. And they march him to Caiaphas' house to start the proceedings of condemning him. That's the whole idea. They just need to come up with whatever it is that he did. They don't know yet. They don't have anything that's viable. Well, it says here that They led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. The high priest at that year is Caiaphas. He has a father-in-law by the name of Annas, who had been a high priest. And Annas and Caiaphas are really kind of together. You see, Annas is kind of behind the scenes because the government that's over them does not allow uh, a priest to dominate, so yeah. Annas can't continue to be one. Uh, but they are really in the same area. He's the father-in-law. Annas is of Caiaphas. They have a courtyard. Probably on each side of the courtyard is their own house. But yet they're they're living kind of together. Their houses on the same premises. And so when Jesus is delivered, He first goes to who? Annas. Well, when you look at Matthew 26, 57, one may have a little difference with that. But there's no problem. There's no error here at all. God's Word is always accurate. It's always true. So what's going on here when you read Matthew? Matthew? Those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest. Luke didn't say Caiaphas. He just said the high priest. It's okay. Where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. Peter was following a distance. Okay, similar, right? This time it mentions Caiaphas. He'd say, well, I thought you said that he first goes to trial at Annas' house. That's right. Did I make that up? Did I read between the lines? No. We go to John 18. And we find out that there are different trials that Jesus is going to go to. You know how many He's going to go to? Six. Six trials on Jesus. They never could come up with anything other than He's God. Really. I mean, they made up things. They're all lies. But in uh, John eighteen twelve through fourteen, so the Roman court and the commander and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him, and led him to Annas first. Ah, you see what John just did. Now, does that mean that Matthew was wrong? No, not at all. He was brought to Caiaphas. But first he will go to Annas and be put on trial. For he was father-in-law of Caiaphas who was high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. Somebody's going to have to die. Right? Gave a prophecy, didn't even know it. In verse 24, there at John 18... So, Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Aha! So, it's in the same area. He's sent to Caiaphas. He's sent to Annas. Both correct. But what's the first trial? Annas's trial. And you can look at it. If you step back, we just read 24... Uh, Verse 19, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together and I spoke nothing in secret. Did he ever do anything in a corner? It was always public. People knew what he did. He didn't have any surprises behind his back. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. And when he said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus. They're pounding him. Is that that the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him. If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Show it. Give me proof. Give us proof. But if rightly, why do you strike me? And they did all throughout the trials, didn't they? So Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Annas says, Go. Basically, trial's over. So now he's going to go to the second trial. Okay, so now we get the idea, we get a little bit of proof there of why we say that uh, here's the order of the trials. Now, I want to tell you something. I think it's quite fascinating. That is the place where Jesus goes, brings back some memories. Who runs the temple? Annas and Caiaphas. Who gets a lot of money from that? And said, Caiaphas, what did they do? They're the ones who set up the money changers. Remember that? Uh, extracting extra money. A lot of money from everybody who changes the money. And making people buy sacrifices because their sacrifice wasn't good enough. So they sell the lambs to people at an exorbitant price. They're out of town. They have no other way. And even if they bring their own, and they did, they would say blemish. Can't use it. Who was doing that? Annas, Caiaphas. Interesting. That's where Jesus is taken. Peter knows this. He knows where they're at. He's following along, but at a distance. I'd like to know how he got out of the situation that he was in with the rest (laughs) of the disciples. He cut off an ear of Malchus. I'm surprised he didn't get arrested and the rest of them somehow they got away. Somehow. That was because that was prophesied. It said that they would scatter like sheep. God said that, right? Old Testament prophecy comes true there. Well, Annas played a big part behind the scenes. They live in a place that's a mansion, it's an awesome place any place that has a courtyard. That's usually the case, isn't it? It's quite a racket they had. So he's tried first at their homes. What chance does he have? They hate him. What did he do with the money changers and the animals in the temple? He chased them out for the rest of the week. They didn't get their money. They're really mad. They want to kill Jesus If no, for no other reason that reason. There's plenty more, believe me. But they're trying to seek an indictment that will stick. We've got to come up with some, some crime that is worthy of execution. What are they going to do? What are they going to come up with here? So we've got a trial dealing with Annas, Caiaphas. And then when the sun comes up, because you've got to do this thing legal, it will be the Sanhedrin, the supreme court of the land. Nobody likes him there either, do they? <laughs> it's all planned out. Everything's trumped up. Unjust actions. Listen, the way to understand Peter's denials is to see them woven right on in to this fabric of the trials. The trials are going on. The denials are going on. So, you know, keep that in mind as we go through this. Now, Peter wasn't by himself. He was with somebody. John eighteen. By the way, how are you gonna get in to this compound? Do you think you just walk right up to the front door? No. I mean they've got walls, they've got gates. They have security there. People that are right there like guards. So in John eighteen at verse 15 we look at this you see this story is found in all four gospels and what one doesn't have the other one will or the other one will we put them all together and guess what we have the whole story pretty well right that we need to know anyway 18 15 Simon Peter was following Jesus and so was another disciple now who was it Well, now that disciple was known to the high priest. (laughs) And he entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest, he's got connections, kind of, went out, spoke to the doorkeeper, and brought Peter in. So, John was allowed to go in. He knew the high priest. And you said, John, didn't you, Dennis? Yeah. Because that's who it is. You see, John writes things, puts things in, but he kind of watches it about putting his own name in there. Uh, who was the disciple that Jesus loved? That's John. Here again, here's the disciple. So, your commentators down through history. Other stories, it is John. Peter and John. John has a connection. He goes in, comes back. There's a doorkeeper there. It happens to be a servant girl who also is the doorkeeper. And they let Peter in. Interesting. He's, he's really wanting to be there. Would you have thought about going at the courtyard of the priest's house would you have wanted to go there knowing that you could be arrested and killed? Well, keep that in mind as we work through here because I don't think Peter is as afraid as a lot of people like to put it out. He said, Dennis, I've always heard it was because of fear that he denied. Probably some. Some. Have you ever seen Peter afraid? <laughs> Jesus is out in the boat. Jesus is or out of the boat. He's walking on the water, coming to the boat. Peter, what does he do? He jumps out there. Matter of fact, he walks for quite a while, doesn't he? On the water. Interesting. Peter's always the first one to chime in. Peter's pretty strong. That's his problem. He's strong in his own mind. A lot of things that he wanted to do for Jesus. He loves Jesus. Don't forget that. He's in a courtyard and he's seen by people. People see him. He thinks maybe he can disguise himself in some way. It's dark out, right? Well, we turn to John eighteen sixteen. You might already be there. It says, But Peter was standing at the door outside, so the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the doorkeeper, and brought Peter in. Then the slave girl who kept the door, who is the doorkeeper? The slave girl, said to Peter, Now, when she says this, I can't tell you for sure. It could be right there. Definitely. She says it again later. Says, you're not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. <laughs> uh, what you talking about? <laughs> no. You think it's because he's sprayed? could be a little bit. I'll tell you what I think. He doesn't want to get caught. He's there, and what better way to do it than just lie? No, I'm not. Now, he just betrayed the Lord because it's dealing with Jesus. But it sounds innocent, doesn't it? That's what it sounds like. And, you know, it's almost like she had seen him before. She keeps looking at him. This is one of the texts. She just keeps looking at it. also in, in Luke. And she recognizes Peter. Or at least he's one of the guys that have been with the Lord, with Jesus. So she makes accusations. Not just one, but a few times. There's another servant girl there too. There's other men there. There's a lot of people around here, folks. Wee hours of the morning. In Matthew it says, uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, this man was with him too. And in Matthew it says, you two were with him. And Mark says, you were with Jesus, the Nazarene of Galilee. Put all those together and you get some of the statements that are being made here. The John 18, 17. Oh, yeah. I am not... Um, the first thing we want to learn here is let's check the sin out here. Peter does love Jesus. Later on he expresses that. He'd do anything for Jesus. He was very brave. Just shortly before this, you know, he had done the thing with the sword, trying to protect Jesus. He's courageous goes to the courtyard, that whole area, I think that is absolutely courageous. It's really brave to do that, because the soldiers have brought Jesus to there, and all the people around, they've seen him. I'll tell you his problem, really, more than fear, it's overconfidence, Prideful overconfidence that's the problem. There's a famous Scottish minister said this: In my heart are the seeds of every known sin. Do you know what that means? Same thing that you have in your heart every known sin what are you talking about? Yeah, the seed is there. You haven't ever done it. You know, you could actually murder somebody. You know, there's been a lot of killers that never had the intention to kill somebody, but after a a time period, it got the best of them. You have in your heart to do some of the darkest, worst things that have ever done. You say, "No, no, I'm a pretty good person. I'm a Christian. (laughs) But in your heart are the seeds that are there. We're talking about in the flesh the old, you know, that, that, that way of thinking that you had. You'd never believe how evil and wicked and dark it is in that flesh. Things that you, I doubt if you would ever even think about doing, but the capability is there. If you don't know about yourself, you're a terrible danger. John Calvin said there's two things basically the same today in short no god or know yourself no god. I'm nothing. He's everything. I'm a sinner. He's a great savior. You have to start with that. That's two things that all people of all time everywhere should really know. Those two things. You say, "Well, I don't, I don't sin much at all, and I don't really show it." <laughs> well, I tell you what, you're in deep trouble because if you think you're that good, the Lord will give you a test. He will expose what you still deal with in the flesh. In my heart are the seeds of every known sin. You see, Jesus had told Peter and the rest of the disciples to prepare, to pray, and not let the temptation overtake them. What did they do? You'd wake them up. They didn't pray. Peter didn't you know it's like, you know, the flesh is what? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, yes. If you rely what is in you of how good you are. I've heard so many people, and you have to. You know, I I'm a I'm a good person. He's a good person. Well, yeah, in Christ we are good. There's no man good, Jesus said. But in in Christ we are new people. Don't forget that. But we're still in the flesh. If you rely what's in you and you don't rely upon God's grace and His word that He's given you, you're in for a fall. You don't stand a chance against sin. Peter proves it. None of us stand a chance against sin. We are all like Peter. Sometimes we're a little too overconfident. And I'm not talking about being confident. We are confident in Christ, aren't we? But overconfident is leaning on the flesh. This passage here is about the mystery of iniquity. How one sin can lead into another sin. He denied the Lord once, sets him up to do it again and again. Peter knew he was a sinner. Do you remember in Luke 5? He tried to catch fish all night long. He didn't catch a one. And then Jesus comes on the shore of the morning. It's daylight and it's not a time to fish. And he says, cast it on the other side, which you don't do. What kind of a statement is that? And Peter goes, oh, okay, right. You know. And he catches all oh, this abundant amount of fish. It's overloading the boat. And, you know, man, you know. And Peter comes in the presence of Jesus he says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. He knew that Jesus is holy, especially with what he just did. He did something that was miraculous because you can't do it on that other side. And you can't bring in that amount of fish because Peter had been doing it for hours all night long and that's when you catch him. Peter says, This is God. I'm a sinful man. Isaiah, Isaiah 6, holy God. Isaiah, sinful lips, sinful everything. You see, there was a spiritual failure here by Peter, but it wasn't because all at once, it just collapsed. He's going along smoothly. No, no, no. It, this started out quite some time ago. In his heart, he was not judging sin. He was building himself up, but he has spiritual decline. He was not evaluating himself of who he is in the Lord. One of the biggest sins, I think, of our time, but it's been throughout all the time of man, since sin. sin. The sexual sins, it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. Everywhere, everywhere. Constantly we're being barraged by it. So never before has there been the media of it. It's everywhere. We battle it. Whether it be fornication or adultery, homosexuality, lesbianism, LGBT, all of that stuff. It's getting more and more, isn't it? The world is exposing how sinful it is and we're looking at it we're going, this makes me sick. I think you actually see two men kissing each other. Two women. It just makes me sick. I can't believe I'm living in this world. There it is. It's in front of me. Never before was it. And now, it is as blatant as can be. It offends every one of us here, doesn't it? Very offensive. Well, you see, Adultery starts in the mind, according to Mark 7, 20 through 23. It's in the mind. A man begins tolerating lustful thoughts. Hasn't done anything, but he thinks and thinks and thinks on it. Temptation can be there. That's not sin in itself. But to dwell on it and then think what else you can do to carry it further and it's not judging sin then one is not walking in fellowship with Christ people will start to justify the lustful thoughts and say you know it's just a natural thing I'm a guy and guys do that or I'm a woman and woman, women do that they have a need for men and whatever all of that means and i'm just I'm just normal, you know it's not hurting anyone. This is what I like to do. Well, we've all battled this. Let's be honest. it's not one person that has had this problem. We've all had it somewhere along the line in some manner or form, especially men we know that say so, why did you use that because that is one of the most blatant sins that's being seen that you cannot ignore it's there but you can take anything that is sinful and it always starts with self doesn't it so what happened on the course to get Peter where he got there how did he spiritually fail check this out see if this is kind of the pattern and how it works he refused to submit to a hard teaching of Jesus. How's that work? What 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 did he How did he not submit? Well, Peter had a famous confession at one time. He said, "Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God." Amen, right? Wow, Peter. You know, Peter didn't really come up with that on his own. Where did it come from? Jesus said, that came from God. Salvation comes from God, even the right thinking on who God is. It all comes from God. Repentance comes from God. Everything. Mercy. You name it. It's all from God. Well, you see, Jesus began to teach the disciples that He must suffer many things. Go to Jerusalem... To be punished. To be killed. There was going to be the res- resurrection. Peter could not accept it. This is coming from the Word of God. This is Jesus' words. And Peter said, no, 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 Lord, you don't have to die. He cannot accept this. And he actually took Jesus aside and he said, actually, he really rebuked Jesus. Peter rebuked Jesus. He's not afraid of anything, is he? Jesus, in turn, rebuked Peter by saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. Where are you getting those thoughts? That's not the thought from God. Where did it come from? It came from Satan. Because that's exactly what Satan wanted him to do. So he calls him Satan there in that sense. To show how valid and how serious this is, is where Peter is at. So Jesus predicted that Peter would be sifted by Satan. You remember going through that, right? Satan has asked permission to me to sift you like wheat, to really go through him. And so that's what happened. Peter protested that he would follow Jesus to prison and to die even for him. Peter said that. Peter's got some sin. Really bad. Overconfident pride, I guess. So that's one thing. The course of spiritual failure is to think, oh no, that can't happen to me. We don't face up to our pride. It's kind of related to that. But the hard teaching of Scripture is that Jesus is going to die and Peter says no. That can't be. Yeah, there must be something to that. I know the Scriptures there. I know what the Scriptures say. But you know what we do? But here's the way it is today. And we have no other way, so it's okay. Because culture is doing it and because Scripture says... Even that, I believe it. I know it's there, but it must mean something different now. Bingo. We've just done what Peter did on his first line of defense and where he really started failing because he doubted God's Word. It's up, up front, it's clear, but it doesn't make sense to me. So therefore, it must be okay now. Right? if His Word says it, then you have to say, it's true. There's no doubt. It's very clear. So, Peter believed in his own commitment. He, you know, It's like he didn't really believe the Word, did he? His own commitment. He believed it more than the Word that Jesus said. Even though all may fall away, I won't fall away. Peter said that too, didn't he? Even if the disciples lose their commitment, I won't lose mine. Alexander McLaren said this Over reliance on self leads us to put ourselves in the way of temptation, which it were wiser to avoid. You know what that says? Don't put yourself into a place that you know is going to be a temptation and you know you're going to fail. If you know that that's where you fail, then what do you have to do? You have to cut off sin. You cannot let it get to that temptation that you know that's coming. So McLaren says over reliance on self leads us to put ourselves in the way of temptation, which it'd be wiser to avoid that. Joseph, right? He's being presented uh, the wife of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's presenting I mean Pharaoh's wife is presenting herself to him. And what did Joseph do? He got out of there because he knew it was wrong. Of course what he his coped that he left as he went out of there. So, there we go again. Another thing is we come under satanic attack. Satan had demanded permission to sift Peter like wheat. But Peter was absolutely oblivious to that danger. It actually happened, didn't it? Jesus warned. Peter later wrote, when he was filled with God's Spirit in First Peter 5 eight, be of sober spirit be on the alert your adversary the devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour who wrote that? Peter did Peter know about that? yeah he got devoured he got sifted Jesus led him. That means we will have temptations that come straight from Satan. You may not ever think about it or know it. So we've looked at submitting to the hard sayings of Scripture. We've looked about facing up to our pride. We've looked at coming under Satanic attack. We're taught this is a spiritual downfall. We grow spiritually dull and distant from the Lord. You see, Peter had become dull within as far as the enemy was concerned and, and his flesh and what it could be. And it says in Mark 14, 38, Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter's buddy Mark wrote that. Another one is we respond to things in the flesh. That's the problem we often do. When we know that a mob came to arrest Jesus, Peter started wielding the sword around, you know. Flesh. We battle not against flesh and blood, right? This is the plan of God. But he's doing what seems right. Judges, they did what was right in their own eyes because it made sense. It really did make. They weren't trying to go against God. Yes, I know what the Bible says here, but, but what? Okay, so we respond to crisis in the flesh, and another one. We compromise our witness by what we say. And how we behave. Who we are in Christ in the church can somewhat differ when we're out in the world. God forbid that that ever happens. And that's what happened here to Peter. This is, you know, the very words come right out of Peter's mouth. I don't know him. What are you talking about? No, no, no way. I'm not him. I don't know Jesus. You know, when we read our text in Luke, Luke is, I think, very kind to Peter here. Very soft. It's like, you know, one, two, three. You don't see anything about cursing with an oath. Those kind of things. Uh, you see, uh, other Gospels hint that the three denials began small and they went to horrible proportions. They do. He first said to the girl, I don't know what you're talking about. Mark fourteen sixty eight. 68. Probably, perhaps, she kept insisting that he had been with Jesus. No, I'm not no, I know I saw you. Has that ever happened to you? Where somebody says, hey, aren't you? A- and actually they're totally wrong, but they keep saying, oh no, 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 I've seen you before. Or maybe the case is you're trying to hide out. And you said, oh, no, no, that's not me. Uh, I think you are. You really, Yeah, I know you are. I mean, she's really pestering him nurse slave girl is doing it too. Luke records, Woman, I do not know him. It's a lie. You know, he, he denied what she said. Woman, I do not know him. That's a lie. It's an act of flat denial. He's caught off guard here. And he doesn't want to be caught and they haul him in, but he I think he still wants to help Jesus. You know it? Why would he gone into that courtyard? Why would he go to the fire the campfire where there are officers and they're sitting? I'm amazed. So there's the second denial and we get the first cock crow, right in Mark fourteen uh sixty eight is you know, we've gotten a prophecy of that and get the and so he went out on the porch and the cock crowed. Mark fourteen thirty said there'd be two cock crowings. There's one more to go. Three denials, two cock crowings, right? The first one came after the first denial. Maybe he probably didn't even hear it or pay attention to it. So there's the second denial. We've already looked in John eighteen from Annas' house to Caiaphas' house and he denies with an oath in Matthew twenty six seventy two. if you really wanted to turn there. Um, but a denial with an oath. He's confronted again a little later according to verse 58. Another saw him and said, you're one of them too. His second denial is stronger than his first denial. The accusers are mounting and and escalating here. You're getting a whole crowd of people now saying, Yeah, you are. I know you are. I've seen you before. I know you were him. But Peter doesn't leave. If he was afraid, don't you think he would be hightailing it out of there? You know, he could run, I'm sure. Stop getting out of here. Just kind of go off into the shadows and out somehow. Somehow, get out of there. So, in 59 and 60 of our Luke passage. After uh, about an hour, after two denials had passed, another man began to insist, saying, Certainly this man also was with him. Do you know how many people are saying this? And how often it is? For he is a Galilean too. They can pick up his language or his accent that he has and there, that just makes sense. Yeah, 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 you are. And Peter said, "What? Well, wonder what Galileans sound like. Man, I do not know what you are talking about. <laughs> I doubt that, right? Somehow, it was some kind of an accent than the, the Galileans did. They were considered uh, hayseeds to the Judeans anyway. The Judeans are picking up on his accent. He's thinking, man, I oh, want a chance here, it dog. It's not me. I don't know him. And he's also thinking. I oh, said, "Shut up." <laughs> Peter said, man, "Man, man, I did not know what you were talking about." Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. It's in the masculine there, man. You've got men adding accusations along with the slave girls. Doesn't uh, like maybe. You know, maybe he found some kind of a dark corner for a while, but he gets back out. And people keep insisting on it. Another man steps up, does an accusation. John eighteen twenty six even identifies a man that said that. He's the relative of Malchus. Malchus is the slave, right? Had his ear cut off. A slave of the high priest. Servant of the high priest. And now we get got somebody who knows Malchus. Very close to him, a relative. Could have been there in the crowd earlier. Servant of the high priest. Lost his ear there. And according to Matthew 26, 73, they said, We know you're a Galilean follower of Jesus because you have a Galilean accent. Your speech is betraying you. We know who you are. can't get away. His response is even more heated when they say this at this time now. Peter said, "Man, I do not know what you're talking about. Listen to what Matthew adds in Matthew 26:74. Then he began to curse and swear. This is Peter. A denial with a curse he pronounced curses on himself if he's lying. He knows he's lying. But he's, he says, hey, if I lie, oh, that God would damn me. That is the idea. Do you see how that one little white lie now has escalated into cursing, swearing, and oath? same time here. Damn me if I lie. That's vehement as you could be. If I'm a liar, let God judge me in the worst way. Wow. A flurry of lies with cursing and swearing. And the second cock crow happens. Right on schedule. And that's what the Lord had already told him. You think he gets it now? Well, that was number one mercy, or a sin number two, I guess we'll have to get into next week. No.
1: We're
0: getting ready to fly. Are you ready? Now catch me. And verse 61, we're almost there, folks. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times went out and wept bitterly. Mercy is seen in verse 61. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Evidently, very possible, he had gone through the two trials now. you And as the time goes on, remember, while G- Peter is denying, Jesus is on trial. Who was the first one on trial? That was Annas. Then it was Caiaphas. And maybe they're marching him now to get ready for the Supreme Court trial. The Sanhedrin. And they march him through where Peter is very close to Jesus somehow. He can see Jesus. Jesus can see Peter. Jesus turns and looks. How would you like to have that eye on you? That must have been some moment. Laser eyes penetrating right through you. You ever been there? well this was in the physical body but we know that Jesus sees everything the Lord turned caught Peter's attention Jesus looks at Peter Peter looks at the Lord you know what the difference is between Judas and Peter is Luke tells you in verse 61 the Lord turned and looked at Peter that's the difference B.B. Warfield commented on this passage In a sermon, he said, As our Savior was being tried and preparing to bear the sins of us all on the cross, he had time to give one glance to a faltering disciple and so save his soul in the saving of the world. What did Jesus' face look like? Well, I know that as he looked right into Peter's eyes, His face would be covered with spit. Remember they spit on him? Do you remember one of the guys hit him? Probably that happened through Caiaphas' trial. They did. You look it up and you'll see it. They beat him severely. He's got more trials to go through. He's battered. He's bruised. Eyes are all puffed out. Been punched in the face this look was not of hate to Peter it was of love it was of mercy it was very disappointing a disappointing look you ever had that disappointment that you've done with somebody or with the Lord it was a sad look it was a lonely look Jesus is by himself early through all this There's one thing here. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. This is what Peter would have gotten. Here it was what God is so merciful. It's because he wants Peter to remember what he said. This is our lesson. Turn back to the Word and remember what Jesus said has said about this, about this, about this, about this, about this. Are we really true Christians? Then if we are, remember the word. If you are a true Christian, you know what? Jesus will come, not in a visible way, but by the Holy Spirit, there's another person of God there too, a third person, come in and will convict you. That is Mercy. Because we would keep continuing to go on in our sin. Peter would have done a fourth lie, a fifth lie, a sixth lie. He would have continued. He would have gotten worse. But he remembered the Word. Why did he remember? Because Jesus took him back to the Word. It's like, do you remember what I said? He had refused to accept the very words, the warning words of Christ. You know what? He rejected reproof. He ignored the voice of God and now he remembers the word of God and now we're getting back on the right swing of things. It leads to repentance. Difference between me and uh, you and then all the ones who are unbelievers. It's not that we're better. Not at all. It's that Jesus has shown us infinite mercy. Why would we want to offend His holiness? And that's why the seeds of every known sin are in our hearts and it's the mercy of Jesus that spares us from going where we would never want to go. There are sins that are deep down that can really make you want to do things that you know that are dark. And by the mercy of God, we don't want to go there. Corinthians 7 says, I do the things that I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I should be doing. But there's some darkness of sin that we never want to do. But we know we can't be prideful. Oh, I would never do that. Right? So that we get the idea there that he's being brought to repentance. If you're his, you know what? Your faith will not fail. Did Peter fail? Yeah, but his faith didn't. Where's his faith come from? God. God never fails. And whenever he gives faith to us, Faith will always be there. Isn't that gracious of God? Is that merciful of God? Last one is that he went out, he wept bitterly. That's that's repentance, folks. He sobbed out loud. He, he felt the pain that he had brought to the Lord. He loved the Lord. Now he's seen what he's done. Here's really quick. I don't have any time to spend on it, but get this. Here is what true repentance is. First of all, it remembers God's word. That's how it's like a mirror that's held up to us and we see that it's sin or not sin. The word of God will show us if it's sin, won't it? And then here is the gift of God. He convicts us of our sin. What would happen if we just kept going on in our sin? We would just sin more. And then we would sin even more and more. We just finally just do anything and everything. That's how Man does in his nature without Christ. And he had godly sorrow over sin. And then he appropriated Christ's sacrifice for sin. The sacrifice for Peter was coming. And he appreciated God's abundant grace. That is what repentance is as we turned away from our sin. He wept bitterly. It was a path of restoration. And it requires repentance. So we have sin. We have the mercy of God. But repentance is required. As He gives us the word and we remember it, it's like a mirror and it says, uh uh, can't do that. His soul was grieved with a godly sorrow. It's more than just simply feeling bad to have a bad conscience, or knowing that, oh, I'm going to get caught. All of that is Judas. There's the difference. Peter has true repentance. It came from God. It's a gift. It was granted. Repentance always leads to a change of behavior. Can one repent and and then still continue to do it? 2 Corinthians 7, 9, and 10 talks about that. It's coming to see what the sin is, recognizing how ugly it is, turning from it, turning to God. Peter does that in this passage. We've just seen it. We've seen Him come, and there's one last part to the story. It's found in John 21, 15 through 17. Out at the Sea of Galilee. Disciples are fishing. Come back at the boat. Recognize that somebody's on the shore. It's Jesus. What's He doing? He's frying fish for them. Did He go out and catch it? Um, right there it is. It's all done. He gives, they eat. He's the resurrected Lord. It goes to Peter. This is beautiful, folks. This is us. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, then he says, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. He does it three times, doesn't he? I won't go through all that. You already know the story. What is Jesus doing? Restoring Him. He never leaves us in our sin. We first go, ouch, mm, that's sin. Lord, I repent. I am so sorry. I agree with you that it's sin. I hate it. I hate sin. And He abundantly pardons and restores as we ask for forgiveness. We have fellowship that's restored. We have serving that is restored. We may be great sinners, but we have a great Savior. Let's pray. Father, great God, Your holiness is hard to imagine. We are in awe. We've just seen the story of Peter and how sad it is. But Lord, you know what? After it's all said and done, we see mercy, grace, love, forgiveness, restoration. And that's what You're always offering to us. It is truly amazing grace. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen.
1: She had a lot of stuff in store I guess, because she had the place full. She said she had a lot of stuff. So her fiance came down, we loaded it up. It was two days over there. In fact, it was like two days over there. I guess it was like Tuesday to Friday. Tuesday to Friday is her no, we loaded up the van two days over here, big, 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 loaded that, and then trip down about an hour, and two more days on two, uh, Friday, I guess. I'm going to finish up around, around, around uh, 2 o'clock, right? finish up around 2 in too much. I mean, he things around in his house things and stuff. Oh I oh it out there. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling yeah. you, what, we're yeah. the body out. And it dwelled on the line. He has, you know, crankiness. He got to the line, and it would have been better if the belt could have helped. I don't know. I wasn't knowing there was a lot, I don't know the details of it at first. I would have told the bell this thing. Apparently, they said no. And I don't know why he, it was in front of him. I don't know why. But the point of it is help the people you care about. And the other point is, whatever happens to me, you, you'll know you need another bachelor. Yeah, it will prepare yeah. Well, I'm not going to come down with my prepare myself. I need uh, I mean It reminds you of the people that come with the wars when they're out there. You know, when they start when the battles over, you know how fatigued and worn out they are? They need to, like, kill down. You know the war story now, this isn't exactly war. You see how people are affected from the war? Yeah. Well, it's just basically. Yeah. That's war. You know You know <laughs> what no, you don't really know what it is. It's stuff packed away. It's it's miscellaneous items that are shifted this way and you got to shift them this way, that way. So you're really, really you're a lot of pressure. The only people that can do that like two men in a truck. So that's uh, that's good. But then they're just stuff to show up and then they're all yeah. the tattoos and here like yeah. you know somebody. Well, they they're they're hard. Hard. it was a one-time experience. Because if it ever boiled down to, I had to do that with someone different or someone else again. I would say, listen, yes. you're going to have to pay more money for the trip if I'm going to need a complete day off. <clears throat> or you're going to have to get someone else or two more people. I, I just wasn't aware of it. She said she and I sounded kind of bad. I did not do the. I could get married without and stuff like that. Right. I wasn't aware over there how much it really was. Uh, well, they rented some storage sheds out. Uh, and then they, the guy has a house and he has a couple bedrooms. And uh, basically, they loaded a bedroom and switched some furniture. Some people came out and picked up some farmland. I don't know how they, I think they got he uh, her couch, she's not You that she got right. two houses, they're they're fine fine together. Together. And you, yeah, you right. like, this was going to go there, yeah, there, there. An There's an an evil, like, okay, then I'm going to go the box I know what she Luckily, I didn't Issues, so I yeah, and I did get you know, uh, That was my thing. When I got back home yesterday, early this morning, I thought were Well, it's over. The will come about again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. it, it a long, time. Yeah, yeah, long, time. In that fashion, it will happen. If I have any fun involved. But, uh, and also, um, I'm not for... So, what do I want to go? I feel good about how... Because it's all right. Yeah, I feel yeah. good. Uh, yeah, it's, it's always you know, enough. You know, you know, you know. If you don't do it for a living, you're not going to know how to handle it. Because your body's always shifting, placing, moving. Uh, oh uh, people Yeah, right. yeah. 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 and it's also it's also entryways, both uh, whatever, like little, you right, you a cove or something. Because yeah. you know, you're you're in a door you, you don't know much about. Okay. Yeah. You are the, right. the, the room's here. The halls here, you know, right. you have to. Who knows I mean, you that is so much fun. Mary, I Monday. We took that out that we was in that back row after he yeah. and him had to figure and out how turn. to come out. Oh, I can't yeah. do all this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me see yeah. what I can I do. Let me do a That I just do this here, I'll help out. then you to I think sounds like you know. she got stuff oh, I was yeah, trying to start start about it. thank you guys. Right. Yeah, she we did. Okay. Yeah. Ah, oh, I'll see if I have her call him or something. That's fine. If I just wanted to see she got things done, I was kind of worried about it a little bit. That's fine. What's the best way to come overseas?
0: well how
1: much time do you have. bye. Carolyn! Hi good happy guys. Thank you. Well just um, taking examples. How you doing, Nondor? Okay. What are you yeah. doing? Back in the full swing at work is um, Yeah. So I mean, you just do a part time thing or uh, well uh, <laughs> what I, 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 uh, I'm there full time. <laughs> yeah. oh. We're kind of full-time. We uh, said like eight hours. It's been seven. Okay, um, and, uh, but we're going to start in next jam, Monday. We're going uh, to extend our hours a little more. Because we've been closing at five instead of uh, seven. Well, uh, yeah, so they do it at seven now. Okay, um, Yeah, give me a Bible passage and I'll put it in my phone. So yeah, just uh, kind of, and we
0: that First of all,